This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. I have a very interesting episode for you today. In today's episode, I'm going to provide some coaching and guidance to an engineer who is not happy with the rate at which he is advancing in his company. And I'm sure that that's something that a lot of you are like, geez, that's me. I'm not happy with the rate I'm advancing. So we'll get into some interesting kind of strategies in this show for, for taking that leap. I'm also going to answer a listener question uh, at the end of the show today in the Take Action Today segment of the show. One quick announcement before we jump into the main segment. We put on an event every year called the Engineering Career Summit. This year, we're excited it's going to be in New Orleans in mid-May. This is really the only event that's focused on helping engineers succeed in work and life 100%. All the courses are pretty much focused on personal and professional development. Monday, on September 21st, we're going to open 20 early access tickets. They're not early bird, they're early access, which means they're the lowest price available for this event. We're going to open them up on the 21st for about a week to our engineering career community members to give them a chance to get these tickets. And then after that, we're going to open them up for about a month or so to the public, to all of our listeners, all of our engineering career coach subscribers. So please, if you plan to come to New Orleans, and I highly recommend you do, it'll be an amazing experience. You can get those early access tickets starting Monday, which will be at engineeringcareersummit.com on the registration tab. All right, so before we jump into this coaching session, let me just take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. If you're thinking about taking the FEP or SE exam this year, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam preparation. For a special 15% discount, use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach. And use the promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. Please support our sponsors. They really do support the show and keep it free. If you're interested in taking these exams, PPI is the best at helping you pass. I know because I used their books and I also checked out their online course before we accepted them on the show as a sponsor. So please check them out. All right, now let me give you a quote related to the conversation I'm about to have with Juan. The quote is as follows. I hate to be a kicker. I always long for peace, but the wheel that does the squeaking is the one that gets the grease. And that's a quote from American humorist Josh Billings, but it's so true. And we, we get into that a little bit in the episode. So let's dive into this coaching segment. All right. So on today's main segment of the show, I have Juan with me here. Juan is an engineer kind of starting out his engineering career. He sent in a request for some kind of advice and coaching. And so here he is. Juan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So my name is Juan. I'm 42 years old from San Diego. I just graduated as a manufacturing engineer working at a contract manufacturing engineering firm here in San Diego as uh, still in an entry-level position. And uh, I'm, getting, I'm kind of getting a good amount of training to, you know, I guess, to be brought up in my skill set to eventually, hopefully, become an engineer there. But uh, it, the progress is kind of slow. So I was wondering, you know, whether it's beneficial to me to, to start, you know, branching out and, and trying to become a paid engineer somewhere else. So I guess uh, I could I use a little feedback and uh, guidance on that. Sure. So Juan, a couple of things before we jump into it here. What is uh, contract manufacturing? What is that industry like? 
essentially, if you have an idea, you know, whether it's on a, a CAD drawing or a back of a napkin, you bring it to, to us and say, hey, I want to build this. And uh, we do the R&D, the engineering and such to, to bring your product to, to life. So it's new product introduction, new product development, essentially is what it is. So you're obviously you're 42, so you're older than you would come out of college. If you just went through the, the process, did you do another degree first? No, I did a couple of associate's degrees uh, in <laughs> through the course of my life, uh, like uh, criminal justice and then uh, chemistry. But uh, I was in the entertainment business for the last 20 years, uh, pretty much as an audio engineer and a rigger. So uh, going to school at night and then, you know, trying to balance family and such. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it, it's been a little interesting, uh, kind of a different approach to the uh, traditional uh, engineering degree path, so to speak. So you're at a job now that you've got where you're doing this contract manufacturing. Walk us through this option again now. You The option is to stay on with this company and you're thinking that maybe you're not getting the best experience here. Is that the problem? I'm actually gaining an uh, incredible amount of experience. It's just the timing. You know, Being older now means that I need to become a paid engineer faster than, say, a 25-year-old or a 22-year-old uh, would, would need you know, based on, you know, my, my family, you know, the mortgage and such and student loans, kids and yada, yada, yada. So it's a, uh, it's a matter of, uh, you know, trying to, you know, should I like, try to figure out if I need to branch out, you know, and like, you know, try and job hunt more aggressively for uh, a paid engineering position versus where I am, because, you know, like any, any company is always willing to, to let you work above your pay grade, but they're, they're usually slow on actually you know, advancing you to that next level which for me would be a paid engineer, a manufacturing engineer there. So what is your level now? On paper, I'm a senior assembler. So I do electromechanical assembly and such for medical devices. And uh, the, the manufacturing line that I work on is a medical, like class two medical device. And uh, I am taking over a lot of the documentation responsibilities from the previous manufacturing engineer that was there and who recently left. And the thing about a contract manufacturer is that uh, it's, you know, it's all about the billable hours. So essentially if they're putting me in front of a client, you know, my skill set needs to be such that, you know, they can bill, you know, legitimately for my hours and be like, Oh yeah, this guy's a solid guy. He's a team player. And, you know, he's got all this experience now because we've trained him, but it's just a matter of, uh, like I said, the, uh, the rapidity of, of entering a paid, a paid uh, engineering spot, you know? Okay. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be very happening very fast. So. Okay. And is there any type of milestone or timeline or time frame that they've given you or they're just you're just kind of like left out there to, to see when it happens kind of left out there it's uh it, it's a little interesting you know you, you you basically learn as much as you can you know on your own you know with guidance from like senior manufacturing engineers and such but but you know nobody's really reached out and said yeah okay you know we're going to give you six months of this and then you're going to you know interview for a, a new level you know a new position and such so it's that's what I mean. It's kind of it's kind of odd, and uh, I'd like to I'd like to be uh, I guess more like fast tracked, if anything. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel that you're ready to take the next step, skill wise? You know what? Uh, I think I'm about ninety percent there. You know, and given about another month, you know, two months or whatever of time, I would feel comfortable going there. Yeah, you know, saying yes, I'm ready for that next level. All right. Yeah. And, and basically that that's kind of my next piece of advice, which if I was in your position, essentially, and I was pretty confident, I would just basically have a conversation with your supervisor and just say, listen, the bottom line is, is that, you know, I feel that I'm ready to take the next step. 
I'm willing to, you know, work and do what I have to do to learn, but I feel like I'm there. I want to take the next step or at least want to try to get some kind of a timeline of when I can take the next step because, you know, I want to advance, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I've, I've been at this for a while. I've learned a lot and I want to move forward. Can you give me any kind of indication? And I think, you know, I think that answer should give you a lot of information for you as far as your decision goes. I mean, if they say, all right, you know what, we're going to do a review in three to six months. And at that time, then, you know, we'll make a decision. Then in three to six months, if they don't make a decision, then obviously, you know, that it's probably time to hit the road. They don't give you any direction and say, listen, just keep working. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to move up eventually. Then, you know, I wouldn't feel terribly comfortable about just trying to stick it out there because there's no end line in sight. Yeah. The senior engineers I talked to, you know, mainly said like around January, February is when, you know, new projects are starting up that are going to be needing, you know, uh, these junior, junior level manufacturing engineers. I'm like, oh, okay, but, but it hasn't been from like the, the HR department or management or something like that. So. Yeah. And if that's the case, I mean, it doesn't hurt for you to go out there and start to, you know, see what's out there. Maybe, maybe start to use LinkedIn a bit and, and surf around on there and see what you can find. I mean, you know, January, you're talking about five or six months away. So, I mean, if, if you think that that is too long to wait, then, you know, I would start looking out. I mean, the thing is, is that if you wait five months and nothing happens, then you're going to start the whole job search process, which could take you six to 12 months. Yeah. No, I mean, I have been throwing out resumes and such, you know, to, to different companies around the area. And uh, it, the responses have been very, very subdued. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's it's kind of strange. Either my resume is not up to par, or it's got too much information. I don't know. It's one of those things where I haven't had a lot of feedback on it. So it's uh, you know, trying to trying to figure out the the happy medium of what employers are looking for. You know, in a in a recent graduate, you know, or or such. It's kind of a mystery to me because uh, the one thing I can tell you with certainty is that uh, after having put my new resume on Monster, I've gotten at least four phone calls and four emails from insurance companies asking me to come work for them. So it's. Uh, <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. I'm like, uh, really? Well, no, I think that this is a position that many engineers get in where, you know, you feel like you're ready to advance, but there's no clear indication from the company as to how long that's going to take or, you know, realistically how close you are to that. And the, and the only, you know, piece, the best piece of advice that I can give is that you have to continue to press the company for dates, for timelines, for upcoming projects. Because, you know, if you don't, if you just sit there and don't do anything, they're just going to keep letting you stay where you are potentially and not necessarily give you a shot. So, so I mean, really the best you can do is take approach kind of like you're taking is you got to push, push them as much as you can. And then at the same time, get out there and try to get Get a new job. And when it comes to a new job, I mean, resumes is one thing, but I think really like connecting with the right people on LinkedIn, I think maybe joining a professional association, if there is one for contract manufacturing and getting out to some dinner, some networking meetings and meeting some people will be a good thing for you. Because I think probably one of the things that you have that a lot of kind of entry level engineers may not have is a lot of the, the other experience that you bring to the table from the last 20 years or so that might give you a little bit more knowledge, even though it wasn't necessarily specifically in engineering, it still maybe gives you some more knowledge and experience. And that's something that you're really going to get across if you can talk to someone. That's a good point. And I, I, I've tried to convey that in my resume by just stating in the beginning, like three years of you know machining experience, you know, this, you know, lab experience, all kinds of stuff. And just, you know, instead of sprinkling it through the resume, just, you know, in the first couple of lines, it's like, bam, it's right there. So hopefully, uh, like I said, future employers can see that and be like, oh, okay, this guy's got some chops. 
Yeah, and I think that that's a good point really for all engineers that are listening out there is that if you're trying to get your point across through a resume, sometimes it works by doing what Juan just explained, like maybe up front in your resume, putting a sentence, putting a line in there. Other times, though, you got to try to find a way to connect with that person and reach out to them and talk to them about it, or even potentially go through kind of another person you know that knows them that's in between. So it's not always straightforward when you have a, something that's unique about you to be able to get it across, but I think that you have to recognize when you do have that. So Juan, how's everything else going with, with the job as far as the types of projects? Are you happy with the kind of work you're doing? Yeah, I am. Every day is interesting, to, to say the least. You know, you walk in and all of a sudden you're, you're, you think you're going to do one thing and you end up working on a different aspect of it, either doing CAD, you know, SolidWorks, you know, designing a tool or a fixture or, uh, you know, working on documentation you know, and such. And it's, uh, it's a very fast-paced environment and it's very, uh, it's very suited to me, you know, as far as my experience in the entertainment industry where, you know, things are very fast-paced, very concise. You know, if you weren't on your game that day, then, you know, things wouldn't go as well, so... So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with quality and kind of work that I'm learning and doing. So that's one of the pluses versus going for like a government contractor, like Northrop Grumman or something like that, you know, whereas, you know, you'll end up working on a box, you know, for the first two years and then, you know, they'll show you a different part of the box and such. And then they'll kind of like, you know, spoon feed you your duties and such. So it's uh, like a lot of information overload where I am now. So that's the reason I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to kind of leave <laughs> and uh, access to other engineers is kind of key. So they're very much there. If you have a question, you throw a stick and you know hit 10 engineers with a possible answer. So it's kind of cool in that respect too. Yeah, it's it's definitely a tricky situation because it's like, you know, you're you're at the point where you want to soak up a lot of good information and you're in the position to do so, but you're also at the point in life where, you know, having the entry level type of salary is not ideal. And listen, it's a common thing these days. I talk to a lot of engineers that are trying to switch industries. And the question always becomes, if my only option is to take an entry-level position, I mean, is that the best thing to do? And, you know, it's not a straightforward answer for everyone, but I guess in some regards, the positives are, like Juan just explained to us, is you can get a ton of good feedback, good experience, people to ask questions to. And then just on the flip side, how, how fast can you get to the level of salary that basically you need to survive, essentially? That's true. I mean, I've, I've definitely paid my dues in, in a way because going, you know, finishing later in life is, a, you know, means that basically you're, you're doing a lot of jobs that you don't particularly like doing, but you have to do to get to the next step. So, you know, I've worked in machine shops for three years, got a lot of, a lot of metal splinters and such in pursuing my education while, and, uh, you know, I've done, I've done a lot of different things and it's now all kind of coalescing to one thing. Waiting for the entry-level engineering salary is better than where I am now. So it's one of those things where you know, it will be more welcome than not. So Juan, what are your, what are kind of your goals with your career now long-term? What are you looking to do in this industry? Essentially, I'd like to be a program manager to get that kind of experience and doing new product introduction and design, uh, to be more of a design engineer and you know, also do manufacturing in, in higher volume. Like I was telling you before we started, you know, I, I started my own little engineering company right after I got my diploma. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those a work in progress over the next five, 10 years, you know, to kind of gain the necessary, I guess, skills, you know, in industry and then apply it to my own smaller projects and, you know, building a client base that way. So eventually I'd like to work myself, you know, would be, would be ideal. But uh, for now, for the next five or 10 years, you know, I'm going to be in industry and then uh, hopefully, like I said, program management and then kind of doing my own thing on the side, just generating income and you know, just having fun, <laughs> basically. Good. 
yeah, I've worked my, you know, my entire life to be an engineer and now I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing it. I just want to do cool things. You know, I just want to build things and, you know, they're, they're awesome and help people and uh, also make, you know, make a comfortable living for me and my family. So it's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a lot for the long-term goal, but that, that would be it kind of in a nutshell. No, that's great. Well, listen, first of all, congratulations on kind of sticking to it and, you know, pursuing engineering and getting that degree. I think that that's great. And I, and I hope that some of the discussion that we had here will be helpful. I know it's uh, is necessarily a right or wrong answer in this situation, but I think the idea of pressing your company for as much information and, you know, keeping the pressure on them while you're continuing to learn, even floating a, a resume or getting a new connection out there is kind of going to be the way that you can continue to do it. But I would just say, if you're confident in your abilities and what you feel like you know at this point, I would make it a point to emphasize that to your supervisors on, on a pretty regular basis. Well, listen, thank you. I, I really appreciate your advice. And uh, thank you very much. All right. You're welcome, Juan. So I hope you all enjoyed that segment of the show. And what I'm going to do now to switch it up a little bit this week is jump into the Take Action Today segment and answer a few listener questions. All right, now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. Today, I'm going to answer two questions from one of our listeners. But before I do, I'd like to offer a word from today's episode sponsor, PPI. Our listeners often ask me what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE, PE, or SE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. If you plan to take your exam soon, I have a special promo code for listeners of our podcast. Use promo code COACH for 15% off your order ppi to pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's ppi, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach. And use the promo code coach at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. PPI's mission is simple. They want to help engineers pass the FEPE and SE exams and advance their careers. Quality is paramount at PPI. In fact, it is the driving force behind everything they do. With best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindeberg and other experts in the industry, they have been the source and solution for passing the FE, PE, and SE exams for more than 40 years. To see how PPI can help you pass your exam and for special offers and discounts exclusive to our podcast listeners, visit ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach. So the question comes from Shamar. It's actually two questions. And the first question is, Hello, Anthony. Right now, my focus is on working hard in school and keep striving for the right path. Two goals that I'm having trouble achieving are finding the right mentor for me in my engineering career, finding an internship as well. I want to continue to develop my skills, but these two goals are critical for my success. All right. So two separate, we'll break them down as two separate questions. First of all, we'll talk about mentor. And this is something that we'll talk about again in a couple of shows. We're going to do a Q&A. But I agree with you, Shamar. This is a critical aspect of career, getting the right mentor. And I've talked about this a lot on the podcast and we'll continue to talk about it because it's so important. But if you want to find the mentor, you've got to reach out first to your network. Go to your network, Shamar, because you've got a strong network, I'm sure. You, you know people. Go to your teachers, go to your professors, go to your fellow colleagues and students. If you belong to an association or a club at school, go to that club and ask for people. It could be a friend's father. It could be a friend's uncle. It could be anybody that is an engineer that has that experience that can mentor you. You've got to reach out to your network. It's absolutely critical. You can't just say, there's no website, you know, go find a mentor.com or something. And you look up a mentor. It doesn't work that way. You got to put some work into it. But if you put some work into it and you find the right mentor, it can absolutely change your career in life. 
So you've got to work hard. You've got to try to use your LinkedIn network. Try to use your professional associations. Try to use your connections. Do whatever you can to reach out. And if you need more help, go way back to episode five of the Engineering Career Coach, and it's all about finding a mentor. In fact, I coached an engineer on that show on how to find a mentor. All right. So your second question is internship. All right. And I know we get a lot of students and a lot of younger engineers that listen. The best way to find an internship is, again, you're going to leverage that network, right? Well, I found my internship in school because a kid I went to high school with, his dad was a civil engineer. And literally, my mom called him up and ended up getting me a job there for the summer, right? You got to lean on your network for the internship. You've got to talk to your professors, your career guidance counselors at your school. You've got to go through those outlets. And you've got to be creative. I mean, there's a lot of engineers trying to get internships. What makes you different? Can you do something on your resume that's different? Instead of sending a resume to someone's office, send them a model of one of your projects, you know, using some kind of, I don't want to say Legos, but something. Give someone a reason to say, whoa, we don't have an intern. No intern sent us something like this. This is wild. So that's what you have to do, Shamar. You have to be different if you want to get an internship. You've got to stand out and you've got to figure out a way to do that. And I don't know exactly what that's going to be for you. It depends on your industry, your discipline, but figure out something and you can do it. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, or questions. Go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash Juan, J-U-A-N, all lowercase. We monitor all the comments and we will respond if you leave us one. And remember, if you're seeking some guidance and would like to come on the show, simply go to www.techtecpodcast.com and click on the red button that says come on the show. And believe me, if you do submit an application, we review every one of them and we will respond to you. And the reason that sometimes we don't take people on the show is because we've already done a show with a similar topic. And in that case, we'll just refer you to that show. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.